The Art Of is a podcast with the sole intent of meeting with artists that work in a variety of mediums. I'm your host, Alex Donovan. Come join us as we dig deep into how different artists work and run their creative endeavors. Welcome to The Art Of. Uh, we have a very special guest today. It is Hadria Beth. Hadria is an absolute uh, gem and a doll and an amazing person. And uh, let's welcome her to the show. Aww, Hadria. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> now you're welcome. How are you doing today, Hadria? I'm doing great. How about you? How are you doing? Uh, hanging in there, man. We're doing really good. Yeah. Um, so welcome to the show today. Uh, we're going to talk about some pretty awesome things that you're working on. Now, you have a couple different projects you have um, in like current status that you're actually working with. You have I do. Uh, Quark Tees. Yes. We have Microcosm as the second. Yeah. You're also developing and working on a game right Pro- now. Promote Pluto. Yep. Promote Pluto. <laughs> Promote Pluto. <laughs> I love it. And uh, then uh, you also do fine art commission work. Oh, and then uh, just so you're not busy enough, you oh. are also a freelance graphic designer. designer. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I like to have a lot of things going on. I don't like to be bored. <laughs> uh, I can tell. It seems that way. Yeah. Um, so let's just touch on the first one, that, um, which would be Microcosm. And Microcosm is a comic strip you've been working on for several years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, um, astronomy based comic web comic and it's all mm-hmm. about the planets and they're, um, a little anthropomorphized and they have issues and Pluto is always kind of like the loser or not invited to the party. <laughs> He's not a planet anymore. Mars is always a little angry and earth's always curious and that sort of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I remember we talked about this at one point is that Mars, Mars has a little bit of an evil intention to him and it's kind of a Debbie Downer. Yeah. Um, a little yeah. Angry. <laughs> he doesn't really like earth too much for sending all those probes and satellites to him. So he's a little cranky. Now, now microcosm um, kind of ties into what you have going on with Quark tees. Um, yeah. Inspiration. Born out of the t-shirts because uh-huh. yeah, well, Quark tees is all sciencey kind of nerdy shirts, like with puns and things. So I started that company, um, oh gosh, it's been like three or four years ago now, and mm-hmm. um, people really liked my nerdy designs, so I started making t-shirts, and my favorite science happens to be astronomy. I had too many ideas, so mm-hmm. I couldn't keep making shirts about astronomy. I try to be a little more broad about my subject, so I started putting my ideas into a comic form, and that just pretty much took off. It, it's been doing really well. Nice. So you're doing a lot of this graphic work you have here, but your background is, in fact, in fine art. It is. That's right. Traditional yeah. fine art. Yeah. I insisted yeah. when I went to college that I had to go for fine art, not graphic design. Although back in the, that time, the early, like mid 90s, it was not really like graphic design was in its infancy. So uh-huh. like my school had a program, but it wasn't like anything that you would see today. And um, I have no regrets about going for a fine art degree. I think it helped me a lot more than it, like a graphic design degree back then right. would have now. So um, I loved it. I loved college. It was so fun. <laughs> so how do we go from fine art to doing um, as comics? Like, you know, you have, um, cause 
the scope of what you're doing has like these kind of barriers within it. Fine art, it's very like open, like, you know, what is my concept, my direction? You know, what is the theory of what I'm working with here? You know, it yeah. gets heady, you know, whereas comics there, you know, you have three panels and your fourth panel is like this, this joke and this punchline. joke line, at right? the end. Yeah. Well, there's right. a lot of story between those two things. That's like <laughs> 10 years of my life between point A to point B or even more even. Um, but we can do the Cliff Notes version if you want. The Cliff Notes. Yeah. So, so I graduated with my fine art degree. Um, right. Like, like six or seven years later, um, I decided to go back to community college to learn uh, Photoshop and Illustrator because it, it had become so popular. And I just kind of wanted right. to know it for myself. Like I had no reason to go other than I wanted to learn it. So I went and I learned them. And then um, shortly after that, I ended up moving to the DC area. And I got basically at the time my dream job doing illustrations for a, a t-shirt apparel company. And nice. all their designs were kind of fun and funky and like totally my humor. And I'm so happy that I went to school and got like some experience with Illustrator and Photoshop because that's all we were using. And um, so I did that for a while until I moved out of DC and mm -hmm. I moved around a bit since then. But when I came back, when I came to ended up settling in Connecticut, um, I decided that like, I didn't want to go back to being another, like I was doing a lot of admin work. And I just didn't want to do that anymore. And thankfully mm -hmm. I have a very, uh, very supportive husband and nice. he was sick of seeing me. So, uh, you know, stressed out from my admin jobs that I was doing. And, and uh, so he's like, just, you know, do what you got to do. So I took a couple of months and I thought about it. I'm like, well, I was really good at the t-shirt thing when I did it in DC. Mm -hmm. Like people really liked my stuff. So I started putting designs on uh, Threadless. If you're not oh, nice. with Threadless, yeah, a lot of people put their designs up. They get voted by the community. If they get a good score, they, um, they may or may not be printed. But I put up a bunch of score, a bunch of designs. One of them did get printed, and everything I'd put up had scored very well. So I'm like, okay, I definitely have something here. <laughs> like, I'm good. Right. Um, but I was sharing my designs, you know, through like Tumblr and wherever, all over the internet, and I kept getting responses back. People were like, "Where can I get this on a shirt? Like, I love this. Where can I get it on a shirt?" So I was like, "Well, you know, why don't I just start my own T-shirt company? Why not? I could do that. Anyone could do that, right?" So. Right. I yeah, so I did Kickstarter and then Kickstarter blew up. I don't know, even know who all these people were, but I ended up, I had a $5,000 goal, but at the end of the month, I had over $12,000 and I had plenty of money to start my t-shirt company. So that's kind of how it all began. Fantastic. Yeah. That's that's a actually really great success. Um, so you're pushing down this path and then you start finding out more information as you go along. Yeah. And then from there, you're able to put something together of like, oh, this is a good direction and it's kind of pushing you to the next step. And yeah, the next step. it was boosting yeah. my confidence because I thought I was good at this, but then, you know, people were actually requesting my designs on t-shirts now. And I was like, oh, I definitely have something here then. So nice. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. So, you know, um, you and I are of similar age, right? So, yeah, you know, we grew up in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, being very diplomatic a about years. this. And how I yeah. Handle. A couple of years. Um, so you and I are of the similar age and, yeah. you know, we grew up during the nineties where personal home computers weren't as big in our homes. Like I built my first computer when I was 14. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and, I actually uh, grew up with computers cause my dad's a big nerd. Did so oh, nice. yeah, we always had one. We didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't even have internet until I was like after two and a half years later after I built my first computer. Wow. But, um, what's interesting is that we have this process of doing like fine art work. And then we get into like the mid 2000s and then we have, you know, Photoshop and Illustrator really coming into its own and being a big part of the industry. Yeah. And now we're into 2020 and it's like, it's just pretty much what you use. But how, 
you've kind of you're able to witness this evolution going from doing graphic work where you're cutting out letters and pasting them down and making your own books of typography to now where we can just find typography everywhere you know how is that how has that changed your process over that time because some people grow up with this and they just like this is this is what we use yeah you know i just kind of felt like like as a fine artist it was just another medium you know, like, and I learned how to do watercolor. I learned how to paint with oils. I learned how to sculpt. And now I learned how to do illustrator and photoshopping vectors and, and all those things. It was just another thing to add to my repertoire, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I was happy to do it. It was, it was fun. It's new. It's interesting. Well, how does that affect your process then? Like, does your process create some stability for you? And then you can just really do anything you want to do? Or did you have to find and develop a new process to take on this technology? Like, you know, is there some stability in process for you and like actually getting into creating work? Um, I, that's a really hard question, actually. I, I'm not <laughs> sure. Like, I just kind of feel like it was almost like just, just learning something new, you know, it didn't really change my process a whole lot. Like the way right. I come up with ideas and what, you know, inspired me, none of that changed or anything. It's just, I had a different medium to work with. So like, I always loved astronomy. I grew up loving it as a child and now uh-huh. I could do a webcomic easily, you know, because I can just draw everything it. in vectors and, you know, it just was just another tool. Oh, I love it. That's great. Yeah. I only bring it up because I obviously, I went to fine art schools we talked about previously. Right. Yeah. We and, both um, did. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, the process was the one thing that kept it going. Like, so now I run a web and graphic design company. Mm-hmm. And what I learned in fine art school as a process and sequence and steps was easily adaptable into the business, creating the business itself. And then you're using all this new technology. So yeah, I can do my fine art photography, but the same kind of concept and delivery and direction is really inherent in all of those kind of applications. Yeah. Um, It's just interesting you say it doesn't change much. It's just a different tool. You know, do you find that someone who jumps into Photoshop right away without like a formal training or an understanding of theory, like is a hindrance to them? Or do you think they can evolve I mean as know, a with fine that over artist, time. like I do yeah. think everyone should have a, at least a basic understanding of like color theory and perspective and like all those things that you learn literally in like your first year of art school is just the fundamentals mm-hmm. you know um yeah. you know learn your color wheel <laughs> you know <laughs> right, um right yeah but and you know if you have any sort of like if, if you're good at you know at, at using computers and programs and stuff and anything and you want to just pick up photoshop one day you could teach yourself you know It'd be a little harder, but you could do it. Just playing around, you learn a lot. Hmm. Yeah, it's it, you're just bringing up. It's an interesting part of that conversation. It's just that it's not just a technology that's just going to do everything for you. There's a lot of input and thinking behind it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. another yeah another tool. I mean, anyone can pick up a paintbrush, but not everyone can you know paint a masterpiece kind of thing. You know. Sure. Sure, sure. So uh, let's look at your your comics and what you're doing with the teas. Like, what what was the attraction to the science, and then where where do you find the humor in science? <laughs> you know, like like how do you dig around and find you know, hey, there's a really good joke in here about the you know the lunar lander or the yeah. rover on Mars. You know, like where is that? Yeah. So, um, so I said earlier, like I grew up loving astronomy. Like my dad and I used to watch um, like Carl Sagan, and you know. And, and I, I loved all of this. I grew up loving it. And yeah. I, obviously, I also always loved art. So it was kind of a natural thing to kind of smush together because uh-huh. I had a lot of inspiration from astronomy and I'm an artist. So why not? You know, and I, I love people. I like education too. like 
the purpose of like nearly all of my comics is to teach you something in the very end. And that's a lot harder to do in four panels, you know, and be funny at the same time. But um, I feel like I can kind of do a good blend of that. Like, I want you to learn something and chuckle a little bit, you know? <laughs> but, where, but where do you find the joke in it? Like, you know, um, the Mars rover loses a wheel. Like, where's the fix-a-fla? I didn't do that. That's your idea. But see, you just did it. It's funny. You know, these things, they just kind of come to you. Like, I don't know. Like, one of the first ones I did was... Um, Neptune had Aurora Borealis and Northern Lights on it and goes to uh-huh. Earth. He's like, what's on my head? And Earth's like, I don't know. I have it too. And so they go to WebMD. <laughs> they go to WebMD and they look it up. They're like, well, it's either this Aurora Borealis or cancer. And like, ah, it's cancer. Get it off. You know, because everyone goes oh. to WebMD. You know? and it's oh always cancer. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So it was just, you know, yeah. funny things like that. Just like blending it together. Yeah. Well, it. I think one thing I always really I've enjoyed about your comics and reading through them is that you've given everyone a personality. Yeah, you've oh, given yeah. all the planets a personality, and like you know, you're personifying them and giving them attitudes. You know, it feels like you're dealing with like a small group of people who are like self isolated. Right. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like fr- yeah. It's like kind of like friends, right? Yeah. Like, uh... Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And I did plan that ahead mostly. Like I decided early on, like I have some old sketches somewhere. I was drawing out my planets by hand and like I have notes on Mm -hmm. them. I'm like, oh, Mars is going to be, I mean, he's Mars, Aries, the God of war. He's going to be cranky. He's going to be angry a lot. That was just natural. You know, of course, Earth's going to be curious and Pluto's kicked out. So he always feels dejected and, you know, that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) So... So we have um, Microcosm and then Quark Tees pulls a lot of inspiration from um, like nerd culture, right? right. Like I know you oh, had yeah. this one, this one t-shirt I love and I couldn't guess all of them, which was the one that had all of the nostalgic icons of all of these like 80s things like the flux capacitor and like yeah, there was a Star travel. Trek thing in there. There's like, it was time travel. That's what it was. Yep. It was yeah. all these time travel devices. So you kind of like, it's fun because you kind of play a game with it. Like it becomes more than just like, you know, here's my one line joke whatever on the shirt right right but what was the attraction to like the nerd culture is that like where you feel like you really resonate and have a lot of affinity for yeah i'm just like a big dork well the time travel (laughs) one came out of because i in particular my favorite genre of movie is time travel movies i love time travel so um i was thinking about some of the machines i just think they're cool like they're interesting like how many movies and video games and tv shows we have about time travel there's a lot and everyone right. is unique in their way that they, you know, conceptualize how people are going to travel in time. So it got me thinking, I'm like, oh, would it be cool if I like put them all in silhouettes? And it's kind of, it is, it's like a game. People can be like, oh, I got this one. Did you get that one? And when I was mm-hmm. selling them on shirts, um, I actually had a little promotion going on. If you can guess all of them, you got a free shirt. Nobody could guess them all. <laughs> so there's a couple of tough ones in there. Yeah. I, I didn't get all of them. I, I think there were like six of them. I was like, I don't know. What they no, you did pretty good though. There's a lot on there. So you yeah. did good. <laughs> um, so then you have Microcosm and Cortez. And then mm-hmm. I, I'm going to shift over to the game itself. Because game is interesting. Because games, like card games and board games, they kind of have their own aesthetic. And you're dealing, you have an audience who has like, has a mastery of playing games, right? You know, people really get into games. So there's like a certain level of expectation right. that goes into making game that it resonates with that person and they, they want to continue to play it, come back to it again and again. So game mechanics aside, like how do you navigate the aesthetic of that? 
you well, know, how do you find that that resonates with your audience and it becomes appealing? Like, where do you find that resource well, to do that? P- promote Pluto, that that game. It's it's it was directly taken from my my web comic because every time I nice. did a web comic about Pluto in particular, people love Pluto. I don't know what it is. They can't get over that he's not a planet. He it's not a planet anymore. Um, and every time I did a comic about Pluto, people would just go crazy about it. So uh, it got me thinking, I'm like, well, wouldn't that be fun? Like maybe we could, I could make a game and people could be scientists and they're the ones who make Pluto a planet again. Cause that's everyone's dream. Right. So that's the basis of the game. And huh. everyone's playing against each other to be the first scientist that's going to prove that Pluto's a, Pluto's a planet again, has to convince like the whole scientific community. Um, but at the same time, you have to work together because scientists, science, you always have to work together. You know, we learn off each other. Um, so this is kind of like dynamic in the game where, it's competitive, but it's also cooperative. So I was trying to like, kind of, you know, walk mm-hmm. that line there. It's interesting balance. Do you find the style of work that you do influence the, um, the cards or the mechanics of the game or other components of the game that weren't related to the actual like illustration work you're doing? Like, did it really push and influence like how the game was going to be laid out and how you're going to organize it? Well, a lot of that was just from experience playing a lot of games. My husband and I like to play games and we do play, it's a deck building game in particular. And we right. do play a lot of games that require, you know, deck building and cards and stuff. So I did research, bought some new games and I looked at the way they laid things out and what made the most sense. Cause I don't need to reinvent the wheel here, you know, like this worked out, placing right. this here, this makes sense. And so I got kind of an idea on layout and then I just went to work making the cards. He just, it's just, just so natural. Like, no, it, it's, once like I had a basic idea of what I wanted to do, it was then yeah. just like, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe I'm weird. Maybe my creativity, like as I'm, as I'm being creative, I'm coming up with new ideas and one, like, you know, one card might lead into five other things. And that's just my process. That's awesome. So that's going to lead me into our next section then. And that really is where do you, where does the creativity come from? And then how are you applying that? So we're just going to take a quick break for one minute and we'll be right back. All right. All right, we are back with Hadria Beth. Uh, Hadria? Yes. Uh, we were touching on one other thing uh, when we took our break there was just what is creativity and where does it come from and how do you apply it? And because you touched on something I really liked was, you know, hey, I just have an idea and I run with it. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Is, is, do, do you define that creativity is first this inception of a concept and then you're just like well i got to get to this point so then we get into process but the idea is senior to all of it for you yeah absolutely yeah i mean i could just i can spin off a hundred things off of one idea so it's Mm. more like i have to edit and focus than it is about like needing inspiration i i Mm. usually have a lot of inspiration so nice you know you just reminded me of an interview um that i read with gary larson who did the far side oh yeah and he says one of the worst things to ask someone who's an artist is where do you get your ideas? <laughs> it is because you, <laughs> yeah. it's and hard it, to answer because 
right yeah i don't know they just pop in my head sometimes or sometimes i read a, a news article and my brain just connects these dots and leads me in a path I, there's really no explanation oh i get it i get it and, but the follow-up to his to the interview too the second part of that was mm-hmm. you know hey you know worst thing to ask is where to get your ideas but the best thing to ask is what type of pen do you use because <laughs> <laughs> he goes he goes man he goes i, I can talk that. about pens all day long yeah. he's like i could talk about all kinds of pens right, like, oh, that's funny. Right. you yeah. really want to get to know the artist like well, what kind of tools what are, tools you, are using? you using yeah. absolutely yeah yeah um so you've done all this awesome work, right? And you're super busy oh, doing thanks. all these things, but yeah. you also make a living off of it. Yeah. So yeah. the next part I was looking at was, okay, great. So we made all this stuff. We have this cache of things. It's been produced. You know, you're producing like mad. You love it, but then you want to get it sold. Yeah. So how are you, you know, from your viewpoint, like how are you going out and getting that recognition? Like, yeah, you got picked up. You got some notoriety through uh, Threadless, yep. you know, and you got some feedback off of that. I did, yeah. But then how are you marketing the work? Like, are you using social media, mailers? A like, how are you social approaching- media. Mostly yeah. 100% really social media. I don't think I mail anything anymore. <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, I, I have uh, quite a good following on Facebook and um, Tumblr for some reason. My Tumblr blew up and it was one of those things I just added because you know, it's another social media platform and you should spread out. Right. So I started right. and Tumblr just started rolling. I'm like, it's tumbling everywhere. I'm getting all these people. Oh, so God. I have like, tw- <laughs> last I checked, I got like 20,000 followers on Tumblr. Oh, alone. Wow. And yeah. So it's just funny social media, how it happens. And I've had celebrities, you know, reblog my stuff like George Takei, he reblogged it. And some like ASAP science is a big science, you know, site and they've shared right. my comics and reblogged my designs. And so I start seeing it popping up and independently, all of a sudden, like a friend will message me and be like, Oh, I just saw your design on this website today. I'm like, Oh really? <laughs> Send me the link. You know, it just yeah. pops up. Yeah. You, well, you're, you're hitting something, which is interesting is that you found a niche, right? Yeah. Like you oh, found yeah. an audience. So your audience is, I always say George, Takai, it's Takai, right? Or Takai? I don't know. I always say Takai. It's a tomato, tomato. Yeah. Um, So you know, he was uh, Sulu in Star Trek, right? Uh So he has this huge following. He's very vocal on social media, right? So you have someone, and like that's kind of your audience with him. Now you have obviously he's into that, right? Yeah. Right, and then you have um, a scientific organization pick you up because they kind of they get the humor in it, right? right? Exactly. Um, Yeah. It actually goes back to what we said with, with Gary Larson. Maybe you remind me of that again was a far side. Uh, the scientists love all of his uh, comics. Right. Yeah. So like scientists would cut them out and put them up in their lab or something because they're like, yeah, that's totally true. Oh, you know, yeah. and I like in like he hit, he resonated with a very specific audience that created kind of a cult following. I have a funny story about something yeah. like that, actually. What's up? Um, so uh, a couple of years ago, I was traveling. I was in Sam, uh, in California and. We're taking the you know Route One down to like San Diego. We stopped at some random hotel, um, just you know to stay the night. And we're sitting at the bar at the hotel. Always the hotel bar. I don't know that's where you meet all the cool people. But there are these two women sitting at the bar, and of course we end up you know chatting with them. They're sitting next to us. One was getting married that weekend, and um, turned out that they both work for NASA. One worked for JPL, and one worked for oh, NASA. Wow. So now I'm all, you know, I peaked, I, you know, I'm all peaked and I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to talk. Now we really got to talk because I'm interested in this stuff. And so like the one woman, she, she's driven the Mars, one of the Mars rovers and they're incredible, brilliant women. And 
um, so they're like, oh, what do you do? And I was telling them about some of my designs. And one of my most my most popular designs is for my shirts is the sun hugging all these planets. And then little Pluto is off in the distance, very far away. And I, and I miss you guys, right? And yeah. for, for whatever reason, that design is still my, my most popular one. And I, I described it and she's like, she goes, that was you? She goes, that was my, nice. I'm like, what do you mean? She, she's like, that was my, my, uh, my desktop wallpaper on my, my computer at NASA. Oh, and I like I nearly fell off my bar stool. I couldn't believe it. Like we, we literally fangirled over each other. It was the coolest thing. It was one of the best <laughs> moments ever. <laughs> I love that you can both be fans of each other. Exactly. You're like, oh, I'm totally a fan of what you're doing right. as an engineer and working for we NASA. And she's like, oh my God, I'm nerding over your comics. Exactly. It was really cool. It was an awesome moment. I'll never forget. It's a, it's a very stepbrothers moment. Like, did we just become best friends? Yeah. I know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for you. I mean, what a cool feather in your cap yeah, to hear that. Neat. Yeah. Unexpected and random. It was awesome. Did you study science? No. Like when you were younger at all? No. Or you just had a fascination with it? Yeah, just fascinated. Astronomy? Like I said, my my dad's a chemist. So we grew up with a lot of science in the house. And, you know, um, like I said, I watched a lot of, you know, Carl Sagan. And um, I love documentaries growing up. Just still, I still love documentaries. And just some of the most fascinating things to me were like the unknown things. And, you know, outer space was one of them. We only know so much. So mm. always fascinated with it. I don't know. Was it looking up at the stars? Always. No, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, so now you're promoting your work, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. you've got it out there. Um, like, do you generate funds off of Microcosm, or does Microcosm feed you funds to do your fine artwork and also um, with the t-shirts and cork tees? Well, Microcosm doesn't generate a whole lot of revenue, unfortunately, because it's it's a free web comic. You know, um, I am right. syndicated on GoComics.com, so you can find all my comics there. I do get paid for that. You know, it's, you know, not anything to live on, obviously, but it's nice. You know, they're paying Mm -hmm. me to post stuff that I love. So, um, yeah. And Quartiz makes a good amount of money. That's, you know, I sell my shirts online. I go, I haven't done so many like festivals and things lately, but I did for a very long time go to all sorts of shows and festivals and, um, you know, craft things and like sell my shirts. And I have actually had a big following. I'm here in Connecticut. So it was all mostly in Connecticut and, big following here in Connecticut. People were collecting my shirts. Like they had to have each one as they were coming out. It was kind of cool. They could oh, find cool. me. Yeah. So does that circuit, like that that traveling on those kind of circuits, is that is there a great benefit for you then? I mean, it sounds like it really brings in like the business and the interest and the attention by being present and actually putting a booth out there and oh, saying, hey, this is what I have. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people, mm-hmm. when they get talking to me, like I, I, I come home so exhausted just because like, not only <laughs> I've been selling all day, but I've been talking all day. Like people are so interested and right. they're also passionate about whatever science they're into. So you know, we start to our teachers, teachers love to talk about this stuff. So I get a teacher and like, you know, and it's just nonstop, you know, like basically geeking out <laughs> over whatever subject. Yeah, absolutely. So you're out there pitching your own stuff. You're like, Hey man, right. this yep. is what I do that. I love this. And they get to see the passion and it resonates. And they're like, yeah, you're just like, you're just compelled to buy at that point. And that I've, I've done a couple of cons too. Like I bring my shirts to cons and obviously that's my yeah. demographic because you know, those, the, all the dorks are <laughs> all there. I'm one of them. Um, and I did promote, uh, I brought my, one of my, um, promote Pluto decks, like a play testing deck to Kineticon, uh, last summer and, uh, last fall. Right. Yeah. I had a lot of good feedback. So people actually got to play my game and see the packaging and I had the whole thing set up and instructions. And so it was really fun to see people just sitting down and be like, I want to play. How does this work? And 
you know, we'd play the game and I get feedback and it was awesome. What a, what a cool way to kind of do market research. Oh, you yeah. know, you can set yeah. up a booth and then you get people to go play and then you get you like survey or ask questions. Yep. I had and a survey at the end and they oh, would fill man, it out. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, like, how are you going to know if the game's really going to have staying power? It's like, oh, let's just get more information. Yeah. Oh, how great. Yeah. And I got a lot of good feedback. It, it was actually very helpful. Well, so what's your plan for that coming out with uh, the game itself? So right now I'm still in play testing. Um, I have way uh-huh. too many cards. Again, too many ideas, right? So I have to, the decks are like way, there's like over 300 cards. It's insane. So it's too expensive to print. Like wow. really, um, I, like I like my price point, if I were to sell the game in like retail, I would, wouldn't want to sell it for more than like $20, maybe 25 So right. right now, like to print a deck, it's like 30, 40-ish. Um, okay. Yeah, so I need to kind of whittle it down a little bit and streamline it some more. I need a lot more play testing too, so... That's cool. There's always uh, expansion packs too, you know. Oh, I have plans for those already. Oh, you do? (laughs) (laughs) Of course I do, right? (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's really funny. Um, Who who did the one game? You ever play Exploding Kittens? Oh, yes, I have. Yeah, that's, um, uh, what's his face? He he does the- um, Matthew Inman. Yeah. Oh my God, I love The Oatmeal. His, yeah. Yeah, Romeo, yeah, he's amazing. He does such good work. He's had a few games now that have been very popular. He did the Throw Throw Burrito game, which I haven't right. played, but it looked very fun. Yeah. I backed him on Exploding Kittens on uh, on uh, Kickstarter. So I have one nice. of the original yeah, ones from that. Did, didn't he have one that was like build a bear with chainsaw arms or something like that? Oh, yeah, like there's that? a bear one too. Yeah, I've never played that yeah. one. Yeah. Me neither. Me neither. Yeah. Have, you know, you, you made me think of something. Have you ever thought of... Um, taking your microcosm and publishing in a book you know like i I saw that with like the grumpy cat matthew inman did that with his oatmeal comics i definitely have thought of it but i have i have to do more research on like i don't know how they print them in books that it's like economically like feasible to do that i just have no idea i've done research in the past and i kind of kept coming up with dead ends and Mm. um yeah but i would love to print my my comics in a book that'd be a dream yeah. Well, it lends itself for it. I mean, there's, uh, you, you have like the panels, the four panels, you can do per page or group them in pages or do right. like collections. I mean, there's a lot of options that you have there. And I would love um, to like do like little sections like of information about the comic, like, like things that people can research themselves, you know, like this is why this happens. And, you know, I would love to do oh, that. Oh, so you have the science to back it up. Like you do the comic and then you oh, have yeah. like information about it. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. I would love to do something like that. Like very educational, but still funny. I'm really into being like, you learn and you laugh at the same time. Cause you always remember the things that make you laugh. So <laughs> that's pretty interesting. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. You, you always remember the things that make you laugh. Very passionate about that combination. So you like, you push the association of the pleasure with the education and like education can be actually be enjoyable. Absolutely. In- oh yeah. Oh, I didn't see that before. Yeah. That's Which is cool. why a lot of my, my comics are based on news because I want people, a lot of people don't pay attention to this stuff, you know, and if you read a comic about it, you're like, oh my God, that's funny. And I would always put the link to like a news article that would explain more. So if the people were really interested, they could just click the link and then go read more. All right. Well, you know, your timing's really impeccable because you have um, what Elon Musk and his crew is doing with SpaceX for the last like 12 years <laughs> I did a comic so. about that, about the, uh, yeah. the Roadster. Yeah, I did a comic yeah. about that. So, so you, it's, it's becoming like, quote unquote, cool again yeah. to really enjoy space program. Absolutely. I mean, it was during our, like our parents and our grandparents generation during like the sixties with the space race up until uh, man lands on the moon, in the late sixties. Um, 
and then you know a little bit in the 80s with the um the discovery style ships right yeah yeah i think after yeah. like the challenger explosion like that whole tra- like tragedy i don't know like america stopped kind of focusing so much on you know on the space race and things and kind of dialed it back and that's why we have a lot of private companies now that are doing it yeah uh amazon tesla yeah um yeah. virgin airlines or virgin um the guy who runs virgin airlines is doing that as well oh i, I didn't um know yeah yeah, yeah, but there's it's it's really becoming into its own again as like a new thing, and it's becoming like reusable, like reusable rockets and so on. And like people are like, wow, it seems like yeah. economical and safe and better. And, and like I'm really great. And people say what they want about private companies like come going to this thing and like making a profit, but they're doing some crazy research and coming up with these amazing things. Like we like mm-hmm. I don't know how long it would have taken the U.S. you know to come up with a, a reusable rocket. <laughs> how long would that have taken if you know? some private yeah. company didn't decide this was the coolest thing and we want to do this, you know? Right. I, mean, I really have to say you have great timing of your keep pushing on the science and the astronomy and uh, having fun with it because there's, a, I think, an ever-increasing audience out there. People were interested in following this exactly. and like really fascinated what's going to come next out of this. Like It's a new race, but it's like a private space Absolutely. race, you know, private companies. Yeah. And who can get the next contract and do the next big thing and keep pushing, 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 you know? Yeah. It's very innovative. So Thank you. Well, hey, <laughs> uh, we're going to take another short break right now, and then we're going to get into something really fun, is uh, getting to know uh, Hadria a little bit more. Oh, so. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take a, a quick break, and we'll be right back. Okay. are with Hadria Beth uh, for the last part of our show. Um, Hadria, so this is where I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Okay. Um, They're completely random. Oh boy. And um, depending on how you answer is depending on how I'm going to judge you as a friend from now on. Okay, so. great. Anxiety <laughs> is going up. Great. <laughs> Absolutely no pressure at all to you. <laughs> we do all the wonderful, we talk about the awesome work, we talk about the business stuff, and here we can have a little bit of play and fun with the whole thing. All right, you ready? All right, I'm, all right, I'm ready. All right, cool. So here we go. So question number one. Okay. Would you eat? pineapple on pizza no absolutely not 100 percent. really will not put fruit on my pizza absolutely not no like no fruit at all emphatically no really not not even a hawaiian pizza huh never like oh no well i also don't eat pork so a hawaiian pizza wouldn't work for me anyway oh, but yeah fair enough no okay okay wow wow okay how about an egg would you do an egg on a pizza ew people put eggs <laughs> on pizza i've never even heard of that yeah there's no, a place near us that. The, no I'm there's a place curious. near us that does a there's a place near us that does a breakfast pizza with hot sauce that on it, terrible. and uh, yeah. they do a fried egg on it and bake it in the oven, and it's um, it's magic. No. Yeah, it's magic. You know okay. what? My favorite pizza is a margarita. I literally just like it simple, like fresh mozz, tomato, olive oil, right. basil. Done. That's all I want. Delicious. No, no, it's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of like that with the ice cream myself. I'll do like say, chocolate like, and vanilla. Vanilla. I was just going to yeah. say that. <laughs> it's the same thing with vanilla ice cream. I love vanilla ice cream. <laughs> yeah, like the simple. It's, it's the simple so simple things that are and good. delicious. It doesn't need anything more. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right. So next one is, um, 
do you have a particular book that's like your go-to book that you like would read again and again and again over the years oh my god i have my favorite book is brave new world by aldous huxley it's a yeah yeah it's an old it's an old book um yeah, 1938, so, like, 1939. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. like the first dystopian novel I ever read. And I was just so fascinated. It's still one of my favorite genres because of Brave New World. Yeah, love that huh. book. I actually loved it so much I stole it from school. Like we read it in high school and I kept I, I didn't bring it back. I kept it. <laughs> I I think there's a little bit of irony in the fact that you stole Brave New World. <laughs> Probably is. It was like it was like if I stole 1984 from somewhere. Yeah, right. You know, exactly, right. Actually, yeah. funny story. 1984 is yeah. the only book that I ever got mad at when I and I got to the end. Oh, I can see why. That's what yes. people to get angry about. So I I was in high school. Yeah. And uh, I got it from my school library, and I read the book, and I got to the last pair, couple paragraphs, got to the end of it, and I went, "What?" <laughs> And, like, wait, no. so I'm not going to ruin the ending for people. And I, I and I took the book. I've never done this. I took the book and I literally threw it across, across my room. room and I made a hole in the wall oh my <laughs> in God, my bedroom. That hard? <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, wow. it can't end this way. This is so not cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, really, it, it really picked me up. It kept with What's you, that? right? You still remember it. So. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But Brave New World—that's a good choice. It's a very fascinating book, and it's applicable through pretty much every generation that's lived since oh, the twentieth yeah. century into the twenty-first. Read that century. today and feel like it was written just you know years ago. It doesn't feel like right. it, was, it is at all. Which is kind of scary. Yeah, it's kind of scary, exactly. but it's a good book. I love it. Yeah. So that's your go-to. How many times have you read it? What's that? How many times I read it? Oh, yeah. at least yeah. half a dozen, at least. Wow, nice. Oh, make me want to pick it up. It's on my bookshelf. (laughs) Maybe I'll read it again. (laughs) I haven't read it in a while. Okay, so next one is, um, and I guess this is an inside joke. This might require you to offer some insight of why I'm asking this question. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? So how does one become the mother of all chickens? Oh no, no, the chicken war. You're asking, are you, if you're asking me about the chicken war, my friend who's in the war with me is so delighted right now to hear this because. Well, no, you wait, wait, hold on. You have this, I went, cause I went to your place and then you have this picture of you and your husband and you have a chicken <laughs> under your arm and it says the mother of all, mother of chickens. Yes. And then it's like set in this kind of it's, Game of it's Thrones Game of Thrones. thing. Yeah. I'm mother yeah. of chickens as, you know, Daenerys is mother of dragons. I am mother of chickens and it looks like my <laughs> husband is Cal Drogo behind me. And instead of mm-hmm. a dragon on my shoulder, I have a chicken. And <laughs> it's just, it's a long story. Oh my God. So one, no, just, I'll give you a very quick version. Years and years ago, my friend and I, I was at his house for a barbecue and he's, he, we like to, we test on each other a lot. Like we are best friends. So we've known each right. other for decades. And um, he said something and I was eating chicken at the time, like barbecue chicken. And he annoyed <laughs> me. And so I was like, I'm going to throw this at you. I'm like holding a piece of chicken. I'm going to throw this at you. And he's like, that you better not. And so now he, he said, I better not. So of course I did. So I threw the chicken at him and he's like, Oh, the war has begun. And ever since then, like we've been playing these pranks on each other with chickens. Like I'll hide like little plastic chickens all over his house. <laughs> and oh, yeah, man. And, like he'll do, he did a painting of me as like, we send chicken things to each other constantly. If we see something like it comes in the mail on Amazon, We're like, Oh, what did I get now? Oh. And it's become so bad that our friends have, <laughs> are now doing it to us that we get chicken things in the mail. We don't know who they're from. So people are oh my God. chicken things now. Yeah. 
Oh, I love it. So it's like this ongoing joke and this ongoing kind of funny feud you yeah. have with someone. And like every and then profile other, picture uh, I put up on Facebook, he'll like Photoshop a chicken into it. Somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's become this long joke. It's hilarious. I love it. Oh my God. Well, I saw that poster and I couldn't stop laughing how goofy it is. <laughs> so I was just like, like was mother of war. chickens. All you need to know uh, is there's a chicken war going on. <laughs> the chicken war. My favorite the great chicken war. Him, though, I, I found like this big chicken, like rubber chicken mask that you put over your whole head. So I got mm-hmm. that and I stuffed it with like a t-shirt and I had his wife put it in like bed for him, like <laughs> on his side of the bed under the cover, like, <laughs> like with the, <laughs> with a horse head under the blanket. It was the chicken head. Oh my God. That's so awesome. Funny. He like pulls back the blanket. Yeah. Like, and there was a chicken. He had a chicken in the bed. Yeah. He was not happy about that. Cause I got his wife involved and she clearly chose sides at that moment. Oh, that's great. I mean, what what a great joke. Yeah. I mean, that's an ongoing thing. It's just so harmless it's just and ridiculous. awesome. Yeah, it's oh, fun. I love it. Okay. Um, all right, here's the next one. And this I can kind of relate to this too, because I have a thought in my head of what my answer would be already. Okay. So Otto is your dog. Yes. And Otto is a Pomeranian? No, he's a Havanese. Havanese, really? Yeah, they're okay. from, I don't know from what Cuba. That is. Yeah, they're the national oh. dog of Cuba, Havana. Cuba, mm-hmm. Havanese, and um, yeah, they bred, uh, they've been breeding them accidentally, really, for centuries, because people like the nobility would come over from Europe and bring all their little poodles and Bichons and things like that, and then they interbred and became, over, over you know, decades and a century, they became their own breed, so. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, you said accidentally breed, how do you accidentally breed? Well, they would bring over their own individual dogs and then interbreeding them together, and then with the climate, the puppies were acclimating so like they don't uh-huh. have undercoats like they love the heat if you ever uh-huh. seen for the havanese they're really long haired and you'd think they would hate the heat but the, their their coat actually keeps them cool so yeah they're a very okay. interesting dog yeah okay so here we have auto so we've established auto auto uh, is adorable i've met auto it's like a mop yes yeah so uh if auto could talk what do you think his voice would sound like <laughs> Well, I actually have a voice for him, which I would never say like here, but he has like a voice. It's kind of like a little, obviously a little doofy. I think every dog's voice is kind of like a little doofy and like this little innocent thing. Like he asked me a lot of questions. Like he asked me questions. I, you know, out loud and I answer them. So, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. He's inquisitive. Yeah. So you're not going to do the voice? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Oh, okay. So I have, I I have Ruby. So I'll, 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 a fair trade, I'll explain to you. So Ruby is a, a pit bull and boxer mix, right? Yes, she's and so she's cute. got like that red hair co- coat and the white booties and all that stuff. She's adorable. Yes. But uh, she, uh, we got her from a shelter here in Connecticut, and she was from Mississippi. So now having that information, <laughs> like a southern when act. I look, yeah, yeah, she's like this southern <laughs> woman, like this like debutante southern woman, you know. So she'd be like, "I do declare, you know, no, 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 no." Like I feel like I have a case of the vapors, know, you know, something perfect. like that. <laughs> like that's that's just how I feel because she's so polite too. So I just go, "Well, she she's is. totally a southern, yeah. a wonderful southern woman." So that's just kind of how when I see her and if she's talking to me, I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's pretty much fits." <laughs> And it was like funny that I got, you know, I got a Havanese, a Cuban dog, and I named him Otto, a German name. And like, so he, he didn't right. know who he is. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. I love it. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, last question for you here. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the weirdest thing you've ever seen in someone else's home? Oh, my God. The weirdest thing I've ever seen in someone else's home. 
Yes. That's a yes. crazy question. It is. Yeah, no, it is. There, there's a lot of layers to this one. Um, I've seen um, like a brain in a jar. I have this one friend. She's like really loves to collect like oddities. And she has uh-huh. like a brain in the jar and she has to like change the water or whatever like fluid is in <laughs> so often. That's probably the oh weird thing. <laughs> and she takes Wait, is it. Is it a... Yeah. It's a real brain? Yeah, it's a real human brain. Yeah, and I don't know where she got it. I'm sure it's legit, you know? <laughs> but yeah, she got it from somewhere and she keeps it like on a shelf and it's she loves it. Yeah. What were those little toys that we that the kids had in the 90s that they had to like feed their pet oh, and all that stuff? My niece, I got her one for Christmas. My 5-year-old okay. niece wanted a Tamagotchi. They make them So again. is is this brain like her Tamagotchi? <laughs> Probably not even that needy. <laughs> <laughs> those are needy little, little a little bit i mean she doesn't have to walk it or feed right, it but she's exactly. like she's yeah. like but i do have to change I its water change its fluid so do you think like on her calendar she she would have like oh, this on her calendar it would say change brain water you know no i would not be surprised she probably does absolutely <laughs> change brain you know if someone saw that calendar we're like change brain water what the hell yeah i know like on the calendar she's like oh it, you know my brain it just needs <laughs> like a plant so, you gotta water it you know <laughs> so weird man that is that is pretty strange yeah now i will tell you the weirdest story uh that i had for someone else's home oh um, yes yeah so uh but this is when we were looking for a home my wife and i mm-hmm. and well, that's we even went, more fun because these are strangers yeah so this was a house that was uh under foreclosure mm-hmm. and so it was empty for a while and it was in this nice neighborhood and it's gonna fit and seemed like what the price was really good so we went with the realtor to this place and we're looking around the downstairs and yeah. it's like it's cool and it's big and we're, i, I kind of dig in it i like the neighborhood uh and then ashley and my wife ashley and the realtor walk up the stairs and i'm like in the kitchen poking around opening doors looking at stuff and all of a sudden i hear the realtor scream oh she goes ah and i'm like oh my god so i run up the stairs because i thought she got hurt or something and she's standing in this doorway and there's a dude sleeping in a bed in this empty house my god like a squatter (laughs) He was squatting and he got up and was alarmed and he was so drunk. Oh my God. (laughs) And he's like, what are you doing here? Like, what are you doing here? (laughs) And that's what she said. She goes, what are you doing here? You know? (laughs) Who are you? And we're all standing there baffled. And I looked at her. I'm like, this place is supposed to be empty, right? And she goes, yeah. And then so we went into like, he like just hung out in the room. He didn't like leave. He was totally terrified. He thought he was going to get in trouble. Oh, I'm sure. And we opened another door and there was another bedroom someone was using. It had a bed and a couch and a TV in there. Oh, so, so people these like dudes moved were, in. Yeah, they like moved in. Oh my god! They totally moved into this place, and I, it like, was one of the more weirder experiences. You're just like we we weren't threatened. We were just like like, we're like this was not yeah. expected. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> find people living here. Yeah, no, totally one of the stranger experiences, man. Wow. It was something else. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that is strange. Yeah, but I, I like I like brain in a jar with a changing water. That's uh, yeah. that's really up there. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, okay, cool. Well, hey, we're going to wrap this up today. Uh, I want to awesome. thank you very much for your time. Oh, I really pleasure. appreciate your your candidness and openness with what you do and the work you do. Um, it means you. a lot. Thank you. Uh, is is there anything you want to share today? Uh, many of your websites yeah, or projects? Yeah, I'll plug my websites. Um, so my t-shirt website is uh, thequarkside.com or quarktees. That's Q-U-A-R-K. Um, and my web comic is called microcosm. You can find me on gocomics.com or if you search for me on Tumblr, the quark side, you'll find me on Tumblr and Facebook also all over the place and, uh, promote is also up, but it's 
obviously we're still in, you know, working on that. So, but the, the site is up if you want to keep up with the news for that. So. Oh, fantastic. Well, Hey, I wish you the most awesome success. You know, keep Thank doing you. what you're doing. You do a fantastic work. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you again, Hadrian. Have a good one. It was a pleasure. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.